This is Pop Fizz. Welcome to episode one, from 70s feuds to pride and prejudice, from your hosts, Amanda McGee and Jane Austick. Part two. Okay, so yeah. it's Jane's turn. Jane. Jane's turn. Okay, Jane's thing is, we'll see how this goes, talking about it, period. Okay. So, I don't, you may have seen this. Um, so, there's a, vi, there's a YouTube series, modern version of Pride and Prejudice, called The Lizzie Bennet Diaries. I have not seen it. Okay. Awesome. I mean, if you had, that would be good, too. Um, it's, it's excellent. It's insanely good. And it's all on YouTube. You should go watch it. Um, it is free. It is free. And it supports really cool creators that have gone on to do a lot of awesome stuff. But this was like this amazing series that it's supposed to be like a series of vlogs from Lizzie Bennett's perspective. It mushrooms. So like Lydia gets her own channel. I'm pretty sure Wickham gets a channel in there too. Um, and for the most part, it's a pretty faithful retelling of the story. There's a hundred episodes total, and that sounds terrifying, but most of them are like five minutes. So it, it's... So it's great spam, but it can also sustain you for long periods of time. I watched this with my grandpa near the end of his life, and he'd be like, how about another? <laughs> and then he'd be like, now I'm ready to stop. Um, so... It's, it's real cute, and most of it is Lizzie recapping the things that happened. Um, there are two elements of it particularly. Like, for the most part, it's super charming, and it's a really good adaptation. It's funny. It's sweet. But the two things that make it really interesting... There's a thousand remakes of Pride and Prejudice, or any Jane Austen thing, all the time. Mm -hmm. This is worth your time, because... I think when you adapt something, there should be like, but why are we adapting it? What is the purpose? And if we're bringing it into the modern age and we're bringing it online, what is the purpose? And there are two that I saw real strong. So the first one is um, how the internet affects communication between the characters. So I'm going to kind of spoil a lot. Sorry. It's, okay. it's Pride and Prejudice. Turn it off now if you don't want spoilers for Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> and I mean, like, it follows it, so... Um, okay, so for example, Lizzie is having these, these vlogs where she's ranting all of her feelings out about everything that's going on. And in the original story, a big plot point is that the, the rich boys don't really know how Elizabeth's sister Jane feels about Bingley. And that Darcy allows himself to basically believe Jane doesn't really like him because she's such like a calm, quiet person. Like, ah, she's not in love with him. She's just using him because he's rich. And so he thinks he's helping his friend out by being like, she's not in tea, dude. Like, she's, she's a gold digger. You, you want to find someone who really loves you. And it's like this big source of trauma in the way that things happen. Yes. And these are very public videos, and that's actually part of the story, is that they're getting more and more popular. There are different points where different characters discover the videos. And there definitely is a point where Elizabeth just screams at Darcy. She's like, just watch my, you know, just watch my YouTube channel. And he's like, what the fuck? And there is a moment where you actually see the difference between, like, the characters actually watching it. And that changes it. It changes from her being like, you hurt my sister, and him taking her word for it, versus... Bing actually watches Jane be in love with him and then watches the way he broke her heart. That's a part of the story. And they actually... That's really cool. They, That's cool. They make him um, actually 
confront that with her. And so they get, like, scenes of their own where, like, that's cool. Um, and there's lots of things like that where the characters may or may not know things at any given time because maybe they're watching it, maybe they aren't. Um, and, like, what is ethical for characters to disclose? So a really famous thing in the original um, novel is the letter that Darcy writes to Elizabeth explaining his history with George Wickham and his sister Georgiana. And we definitely see Darcy give her that letter, but then she has this conversation of, this is not my information to tell the internet. And so to some degree, how do they get that information out? It creates some really interesting conversations about where the line is. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the second one is how they, it's like the only time I've ever seen Lydia be sympathetic. Because Lydia's super annoying in the original. Um, and if you don't have a base understanding of Pride and Prejudice, I'm so sorry. I don't know how, how easy this is to follow. But basically, the main plot, the big drama in this story is that by the time Elizabeth and Darcy are like, yeah, you cute. I like you. Elizabeth's little sister, Lydia, elopes with Lizzie's ex-boyfriend. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's at that time where, like, they aren't married. And there's actually no evidence he's going to marry her, but she has run away with him we all assume that they've had sex, so now she'd be, like, a fallen woman, and that would destroy, like, the whole family, and all of the girls are unmarried at this point. Um, and so, basically, Darcy sort of pays off Wickham and forces him to marry Lydia. Like, he goes and he finds and saves the day, and it turns out okay. But that's, like, the big climax of the story. And Lydia is such an ungrateful little bitch, and the scenes where she comes home with her... Like, blame her, though? I mean, can we just talk about, like, the situation wherein you just want to hook up with this guy and have a good time? Oh, yeah, she's, like, (laughs) just, just, There's so much sexism baked into the way that Lady's character is just perceived from the jump. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, and I mean, I think, obviously, in this case especially product of its times. I mean, like, like, um, really helpful, again, for going back, like, that conversation we were having about, like, the myths we inherit and stuff. Very helpful for understanding where people are, you know. When they're making the myths, it would not have been okay for Jane Austen to write Lydia's character sympathetically. Not really. Not in that story. Like, um, but can you imagine, like, you, like, I mean, can, I can't imagine some of the guys that I dated when I was, like, 16 or whatever. I mean, she would have been, what, like, 15, 16? I think she's 16. Yeah. I think she's 16, but I could, she could be Because younger. she's the youngest. Yep. And the, all the other girls are unmarried, so if you're having a girl a year, I mean, the oldest that she could be is 16, pretty much. Like, there's she has four older sisters. Yeah. Like, um, for the oldest one, I mean... Not to be just totally off the market already. I mean, she'd have to be pretty close. So, um, at the time. So, can you imagine, like, when you were 16, I mean, what was I doing when I was 16? I don't even think I really fully understood that boys existed yet. Like, to be fair to me. But, like... like, No, this is completely... Like, I knew that I liked them, and that was about it. That was the whole... Of my complex emotions, these strange impulses to like be around them, and, the and that was it. Dirtiest thought I had was 
what if I kissed him? Like, completely <laughs> honest. That was, like, as... And, and my brain did not... I did not fully understand sex for a while after that. Like, I was real, real halicon Pollyanna didn't know what I... <laughs> well, and it's, like... And everybody comes to that at different points in their Absolutely. life. Absolutely. And to some extent, like, that realization, especially in a patriarchy for young girls, gets, like, forced on you. And in... Every way is this a prime example of that because may, maybe, you know, like you have this youngest of multiple sisters wants to like have her own life, life, existence, like visibility, like whatever. Yeah. The only way that you can have that is through a man to some extent. I mean, like, not really. That's not obviously my personal belief. <laughs> but it feels that way. But it feels that way sometimes. It feels like you are only... Uh, that you're... I, I had this thought today. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thought that I had today. That you're... That there's this idea that your only power is by being observed. And I think it's mm-hmm. it's really... It's really pervasive in society today for, like, everybody. It's Instagram. not just for women. Yeah, like, for in- social media. Yeah. Like, and guys, yeah, you're right. Guys are feeling it, too. Right. A lot. Internet being the great equalizer <laughs> to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. And which, there, there's a, um, I just finished Lori Penny's chapter in Unspeakable Things on the internet and how it's affected, like, gender and stuff, and that's one of the things she talks about is that in this modern, like, time, men are starting to feel some of the same pressures of being observed through, like, basically the growth of the security state, whatever, um, <clears throat> in the same way that women have historically, uh, always felt the pressures of being observed, both the constraints and the power within it. And so, within the context of, like, a Jane Austen novel, mm-hmm. I mean, the way that you must constantly police your per- the way that you're perceived, like, I think there's something really powerful there for looking at, like, how that could affect any individual character's psychology, especially a 16-year-old girl. Like, mm-hmm. so... Anyway. No, no, it's completely... And that's that's one of those things where you could... I love Pride and Prejudice a lot. I actually think it's an extremely mature, gorgeous... I, I had a roommate in college once who called it, like, a trashy bodice ripper, and I got so... She loved it, too, but she called it that to, like, a guy... <laughs> And it made me want to punch her. Not really. <laughs> no, I wanted to, like... Scream. Yeah, jump in and go, are you kidding me? And I felt like she was embarrassed to admit she liked it to a guy and was, like, downplaying... Self-deprecating. Like, they don't even kiss until they're married in this book. There is no bodice ripping. They yeah. write letters and they hang out. Yeah. Like, like things that people do now. Like, they write to each other, like, they text and they hang out. <laughs> I have to I have to digress momentarily. One time, I totally was like, I don't know. I don't know. You're like one time, saying. my bodice was ripped. No, I mean, <laughs> it's possible. No, um, no. One time, I was hanging out with this dude when I was like eighteen. I don't know, and I loved anime, but I had been made fun of it for my whole youth, and so <laughs> like yeah. made fun of for this. And so, 
I had like the the guys used to like follow me around and like go and like make like act like make faces like they were talking and then say the lines and then continue making faces while like they were talking <laughs> like you know because of like how dubs used to be so bad say, it's like, such horrible dedicated bullying I know no and it was <laughs> bullying like, might be stronger too they might have just they might have wanted your attention I yeah like I don't know that it was bullying per se I mean it was like bullying light maybe like a little trolling. bit it was yeah it was basically <laughs> trolling so. IRL. <laughs> IRL trolls. No. So, and I, like, had this whole interaction with this dude that I was, like, interested in or whatever, wherein I was like, yeah, I like anime, and then I was like, is that a problem? Like, <laughs> that's so cute. So and he cute. was just like, no, I don't know, and it would be great. <laughs> But like, <laughs> <laughs> and if you're out there, I don't remember your name anymore, and I'm sorry, but thank you for introducing me to Facebook. So, <laughs> and to my, my ex-roommate, who probably will never listen to this, or maybe not even realize it was them, I never wanted to hit you. You were fun to live with. <laughs> you should have been willing to own up to the fact that you like Pride and Prejudice, though. <laughs> As we are all now older and more mature and able to recognize that we do in fact like things and we shouldn't have to apologize for it. Congratulations. Yes. On liking Pride and Prejudice. It's such a good book and like I encourage there's so many different ways the story's been told, so I encourage people to like try the mini series, the BBC mini series with Colin Firth and his shirt. What read the book read a retelling of it, watch this YouTube video, find a way to engage with the story, because so many people have told it, you can probably find a way that will resonate with you, because it's, I understand people get bored with it, because there's, it's hard to follow the language, because the language has changed so much. I have a thing to tell you about. Tell me about it. So, there's an author that uh, I follow mostly her writing advice stuff. She does writing excuses, which is 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and they're not that smart. (laughs) (laughs) Except they are really smart. And so, (laughs) um, and it's Brandon Sanderson and these two other guys who I'm really sorry I can't remember their names right now. I've never read any of their stuff. Less important writers. I'm sorry, guys. You're not <laughs> less important. You're Notice that, senpai. Um, but, <laughs> but, no, your work is beautiful and valid, and I'm very grateful for your writing excuses work. Please don't shun me at a conference. But um, one of the writers is Mary Robinette Kowal. I actually got the chance to, like, interact with her some at Futurescapes in 2018. She's she's real cool. And she her background's in puppetry, and she does, like, these really beautiful historical fictions where she does so much research. And my favorite book by her is Ghost Talkers. Okay. But, which is a World War One book retelling with spirit ghosts. Mediums. <laughs> Mediums and Spirits. So that book is great, but she does, all of her books are super heavily researched. And one of the books that you might enjoy is her Glamour and Glass series, uh-huh. which she wrote in the style of Jane Austen. So <laughs> that does not, I'm like, 
Yay! Yeah. I like that. I know other people might not, but I think it's such a fun. It's so it's um, it it can be so funny and so sexy, but in like this extremely chill way, and I really oh, like very it. Very dry. Yeah. Like low key humor, which I appreciate. Her books are more action, like they like so each book she kind of follows a different conceit with. I think I've only read like the first three, to be fair. But the first one is just like the typical Jane Austen romance. The second one, but with magic. The second one is a story to do with the Napoleonic War, um, and spies and cool do things. Do the people say? <laughs> What? Started singing like this. Oh. <laughs> Which is after the Napoleonic Wars. Anyway. <laughs> and then the third one is like a heist novel. Um, so all, like, every single one has like a different thing going on, but it's about, the, the first one is the meeting of the couple and the rest of it's their adventures. And so, yeah. Anyway, I definitely recommend it if you like Jane Austen, but you also like magic. <laughs> Which, I know, not many people. No one likes both of those things. <laughs> Only Jane! <laughs> and, and actually, so when you, when you adapt Jane Austen to modern times, usually the, the problem anybody faces, and you'll see this in a lot of them, is how on earth do you make the climax that like, was in the Jane Austen times? Like, oh my god, this is terrible. How do you transpose that to modern day? For example, 16-year-old sister runs away with boyfriend for a weekend. It, it, it might not be good, but it wouldn't be like, and now you, your whole family is tainted. Yeah. Yeah. Destroyed. Um, and so they were like, well, we can't do that. And I think that they were also like, Lydia's kind of slut shamed as a character and treated at this, like the way that Lydia's treated is kind of gross. So Lydia as a character is always one of the most vocal, like, She's extremely charismatic and interesting and keeps a lot of the action going, period. They do a lot to show that her other sisters, um, especially her, like, they, they reduce. So it's Lizzie, Jane, and Lydia. Um, Which makes sense, because you get, can get wild there with the vlog. The other sisters show up, but I won't say how. Like, they're there, but it, it's different. But her two older sisters basically are moving away, or they are going other places and sort of leaving her alone and she's feeling more scared especially because the family's finances aren't good and her sisters seem closer to each other than they are to her and they're already going away and so you see her get more anxious and fearful and you see this guy move in and this is where she gets her own vlogs and I didn't the first time I watched the series I didn't watch them at all Um, but then there's a point where Jane's like have you been watching her stuff to Lizzie and they're like fighting so Lizzie's like no I don't want to watch she's like you should watch it I actually went and watched it it's heartbreaking because you can see how sad she is and how alone she feels and how much she's starting to trust him because he's the only source of affection she has and as the the story progresses it's not that she elopes with him she made a sex tape with him oh and he's gonna release it Oh, because he's a jerk. And so there's this episode where it just breaks your heart where the, the actress who's playing Lydia, who's killing it, is basically going through all of these emotions through the fact that she's in love with him and she can't believe he'd do this to her and all of her loneliness. And I like the fact that it actually... 
people like to talk about the book like Lizzie is perfect, like Elizabeth Bennet is perfect, but she's not. She has to grow up too. Mm-hmm. That's where the book is sophisticated. Well, she has to like let go of a lot of her resentment towards her sisters, I feel like, if nothing else. Yeah. And so it's a better story because she actually has to confront what led her little sister to feeling this alone. Mm-hmm. And Which was in part her and like her culpability for that. And I think that's a I think that's like a really great way to have adapted it because I I mean arguably you could make the same argument for the original story in some ways for why Yeah she would elope in the first place. I mean like why did she run off with this guy when she knew like what was gonna happen to her family, like you know, there had to have been some emotion behind that. The book acts like she doesn't, like, she never knew there would be the kind of consequences there would be, that she just lives in her own little land, and she just always believed it would work out, and she never thought there was anything wrong with it. Yeah, and I guess you can make that argument about a younger character, especially if she's very sheltered, but then you still have to ask that question of, like, how did she get to be so sheltered? Yeah, especially when this is her whole life, and it's not like it's not something the mom isn't obsessed with, so... It's, it's their lives. It's the only thing in their lives. So I think it's a fair question to, to make, and I think that the piece, the story's stronger for changing that piece. And mm-hmm. the way it changes it is, like, it, it's much stronger if you've watched all the episodes leading up to it, because then you're more emotionally <clears throat> invested, obviously, in them, and you see the small ways that their relationships shifted. Uh, but that, if you're only going to watch something, watching the way they redo that part, it's... The acting is stunning, especially for YouTube. And as a series, it's funny. It still has happy ending. It works out okay. Um, but I love, especially like with little women coming out now and them making choices, similar choices to confront things that the authors couldn't have done differently when the books came out, but changing those myths and mm-hmm. or giving... It's cool to see... This is something I hope more people do. I hope people challenge the the um the lens that we've grown up seeing the world through because a step away that's not the world but even if it is it can be anything you want it to be and I like the idea there's so much that a person can do to change that and I love seeing it so I hope we see I hope we see so many more things like this in the future yeah yeah this was for cool. sure that so sounds super cool I'll we have, have to, to watch it so sorry Mike <laughs> so Mike we're done we're done Mike and uh. Go home, Mike. Go home. <laughs> Eat your cereal. Do your laundry, Mike. You know you need to. You could do it while you listen to us. <laughs> We're giving poor Mike. We're hassling poor Mike. I know, and All he's right. got those Disney deadlines. I know. <laughs> All right, so this is episode one. Thanks for sticking around, everybody. And uh, Give us feedback. We'd appreciate it. We want to make it better. And we'll see you next time. Yeah. Hey.